0: If you're a firearms enthusiast like I am, or you have one in your life, let me tell you about the industry's best-kept secret, Bear Creek Arsenal. This is a veteran-owned and operated gun manufacturer, Bear Creek Arsenal that is, based in Sanford, North Carolina. They make high-quality firearms at an incredible value. Learn more about Bear Creek Arsenal at bearcreekarsenal.com buck. Use promo code BUCK to get 10% off your first order. One more time, BearCreekArsenal.comslash BUCK and promo code BUCK to get 10% off your first order. Since 9-11, the Tunnel the to Towers Foundation has been committed to improving the lives of America's veterans, first responders, and their families. For over 20 years, the foundation has helped America keep its solemn promise to never forget. Tunnel to Towers provides mortgage-free homes to Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders with young kids, builds specially adapted smart homes for severely injured veterans, and is working to eradicate veteran homelessness. David Marshall served in the Army during World War II and fought in the Battle of the Bulge. He has never forgotten the sacrifices of his comrades-in-arms nor the efforts of his first responders on 9-11 and in the days and months that followed. He is a loyal and proud foundation donor. Tunnel the Towers is committed to supporting veterans, first responders, and their families, and so many of them need your help. Join the foundation on its mission to do good and never forget. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel the Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Welcome to today's edition of the Rush Limbaugh Show podcast.
1: Hey, folks. How are you? Great to be back. Great to be with you here at another three-hour excursion into broadcast excellence is now officially underway hosted by me america's real Anchor Man, america's truth detector the doctor of democracy and general all-round good guy a telephone number if you want to be with us 800 282 2882 the email address lrushbow at eibnet.us you know the news today there's all kinds of breaking news out there all kinds of wow look at this it's stuff that we've known for three years It is stuff that we have suspected for three years. It's stuff that because I knew it, you knew it for three years. There's breaking news. Guess what? Adam Schiff lied. Guess what? They're going to release a transcript of some of the persecutions that Schiff was running in his little basement hearings down there. And guess what? Adam Schiff has known all along there was no Russian collusion and did all that anyway. And guess what? What? Robert Mueller knew all along there was never any Russian collusion and did his two-year investigation anyway. And guess what? There was never, ever, any evidence for a criminal investigation into Trump and collusion with Russia, and they did it anyway. And I I guarantee you this, three years from now, We're going to be saying a statement. This isn't going to take that long. One year from now, we're going to be saying the same things about the stuff we told you about this virus and the shutdown and the role the Democrat Party and the American left are playing in ruining this economy for their own political gain. We're going to be doing the same thing. We're right. We know we're right. And it's it's stunning how... To me, now we've got this breaking news. Guess what? We've known it for three years about the Mueller investigation. We've known there was no Trump-Russia collusion. We've known they set George Papadopoulos up. We knew that Rod Rosenstein was dirty in this. Everything that's being reported today is shocking breaking news. You've known it. We all have. And guess what? You know, this guy that's the governor of New York, I'm going to tell you, I am about fed up with this ongoing conventional wisdom that liberal Democrats are morally superior, intellectually superior. My God, folks, these people are destroying us with their intellectual and moral superiority because they possess neither Guess what? Cuomo just announced yesterday, and he's shocked and stunned at this. Are you ready? 66%. And remember, New York is the epicenter. And you know what else we've learned? We've learned that the majority, the majority of the spread of the virus is due to people living in New York leaving. It's stunning. Wait till you hear the stats I have coming up. Do you know over half of American counties have not had a single COVID-19 death? Over half of American counties. A small number of American counties account for the vast majority of COVID-19 cases. And death, and at the top of the list is New York, where they've been praising this guy, setting him up as the fallback to Biden, the savior of the Democrat folks. These people are so, you know, stupid's not the word, although it may be. Have you ever you've known people who thought they were brilliant, thought they were the cat's meow? thought they were superior to everybody in all kinds of different ways. In truth, they're nowhere near it. And yet they have that image about them. They have that, that reputation because it's been built and fostered around them. Andrew Cuomo is one of the biggest empty suits running around in American politics today. Benefiting, of course, from the pedigree of his father, Mario the Pious. Another morally superior guy to everybody else. 66% of New York State coronavirus hospitalizations are people who stayed at home. They were not essential workers. They did not leave their homes. They got sick in their homes. They were quarantined. They were locked down. They got sick in their homes and then went to the hospital. So do lockdowns even work? Was the lockdown even necessary? If 66% of coronavirus hospitalizations in the epicenter are people who stayed at home and were not essential workers... What, what was the point? And Cuomo said, well, I was really surprised. I, 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 was, I was shocked when I saw uh, these numbers. What do you mean shocked? None of this ought to surprise anybody. Common sense is being stood upside down and on its head. That's right. A study of hospitals last week found that of 1,000 patients, it's an average... 66% were people who stayed at home. Now, how, how do you explain that, folks? 73% of the new hospitalizations in the Wave of ORC are people over 51 years of age, and 96% of them had underlying health conditions. Most of the hospitalizations were in Manhattan. 21 percent, 18 percent of the new hospitalizations were in Long Island. In New York City, 90 percent of those who answered the survey about being hospitalized said they had not taken public transportation. Cuomo said that all of this shows that the new infections were down to personal behavior like not wearing masks or not washing hands. So it's your fault. It's never their fault. They never do anything wrong. They never get anything wrong. They never overreact. It's your fault. This seriously prompts the question of whether lockdowns even work or whether they are necessary. If 66% of coronavirus hospitalizations are people who stayed at home. Despite all this, deaths, hospitalizations, intubations, the numbers are all down. But New York State will remain in lockdown until May 15th. And what do you bet he extends it in another two week interval like he has been doing? Well, you know, we got to go to the end of the month now. We're on the verge. We're on the verge of beating this sucker. But we need another two weeks. Then when the end of May comes, we'll do the same thing. And the lemmings in New York will go along with it because it's their fault. Cuomo's out there telling them it's their fault. Andrew Cuomo said that he is vindicated by the states that are seeing numbers continue to rise. In this reopening. Oh, that's how he's looking at it? It's us versus them. There are now 19,877 deaths in New York. This is, uh, I guess, information about 18 hours old. 19,877 deaths in New York State, 321,000 cases. Across the country, more than 1 million cases, 72,000 deaths. And, you know, here's, here's uh, the story from the New York Times on travel. Travel from New York City seeded, S-E-E-D-E-D, planted the wave of U.S. outbreaks. New York City's coronavirus outbreak grew so large by early March that the city became the primary source of new infections in the United States. According to new research, thousands of infected people traveled from New York and took with them outbreaks all over the country. The research indicates that a wave of infections swept from New York City through much of the country before the city began setting social distancing limits to stop the growth. That helped to fuel outbreaks in Louisiana, Texas, Arizona, and as far away as the left coast. Here, let me just give you the bottom line of the article is that the spread of the Wuhan virus in America can be directly said to have occurred on non-action from Andrew Cuomo and Bill de Blasio. Not Trump. Trump's got nothing to do with this. Trump has nothing to, other than trying to give them all the hospital beds they said they needed. Sending them a Navy hospital ship. Oh, you know the bunch that built the hospital beds in, in Central Park Samaritan's Purse? They volunteered, and Cuomo wants income tax payments from them. Now, you know why? You know why Samaritan's Purse? And they've been kicked out, by the way. You know why? Because Samaritan's Purse, a religious organization, doesn't believe in gay marriage. So Andrew Cuomo has kicked them out of the state and is now going to start charging them state income tax for the days they helped him out in Central Park with the hospital beds there, even while they were volunteering. Donald Trump had nothing to do with this. They had a lot of people in New York. They have second homes. Places like here. Florida, Louisiana, the places. They start spreading. It's like they take their politics with them. They get tired of the policies they create. They get tired of high taxes. They get tired of really rotten public services. So what do they do? They move. They move to North Carolina. They move to Louisiana. They move to Kentucky, Texas, Florida's no income tax states. And what do they do? They corrupt those states with their ideology, their liberalism, and whatever else. And they've done the same thing with the virus. I think it's amazing that Florida has not had a bigger problem with seasoned citizens than they had, given this. So, where are we on this? I, folks, it's just. So we have Andrew Cuomo, who rejected Trump's quarantine idea. He rejected it. Jammed nursing homes full of COVID-19 patients. Had that story yesterday. This is all on him. These COVID-19 patients are really subjected to greater likelihood of contracting the virus and being killed by it in nursing homes. Where did Cuomo put them? He flooded the nursing homes. The Obama administration was spying on the Trump campaign and then the Trump presidency, Trump administration. The dossier, the Steele dossier bought and paid for by Hillary Clinton, wasted gosh knows how much money and launched a gazillion fake news stories on an absolutely lying, made up premise that everybody involved in it knew was made up that Trump had stolen the election by colluding with Russia. Robert Mueller conducted a witch hunt, knowing there was no collusion with Russia. He spent two years looking for a crime because there wasn't one to investigate. Adam Schiff lied to the country about this non-existent collusion for years, and now there are transcripts from his hearings that Rick Grinnell, Director of National Intelligence, is threatening to release that show Schiff knowingly lied. He's been, to this day, Schiff will run around and tell people he's got evidence that Trump colluded with Russia. In the hearings that he conducted, it was obvious that he knew and every Democrat on his panel knew and that Rosenstein knew that there was not a single shred of evidence Trump had ever colluded with Russia. And they did all of this... Anyway, in an attempt to do two things. Get rid of Trump and reverse the election results of 2016. And yet, the media, the Democrats, the cognoscenti, the conventional wisdom portray Donald Trump as evil, incompetent, corrupt, while hoisting these literally dangerous destructive and incompetent Democrats up on pedestals like Joe Biden, Andrew Cuomo, Michelle Obama. The Democrats are literally destroying this country with their their moral superiority. They're the good people. They're the ones that have all the good intentions. They're the ones that care about people. If you disagree with them, something makes you evil. Donald Trump is not the problem. Donald Trump remains the solution. So, that sets the table, and there's much more to set the table with. We'll do that and begin the unpacking of all of this as the program continues right after this. You know, I... I I watch things... And I, I sometimes I just get blown away. I don't, I don't want to mention any names here because I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to attack or criticize anybody. I just saw something I've got to comment on. And somebody on television, said, you know what? The Democrats ought to be really, really mad at Adam Schiff right now because he got their hopes up. He got all of their hopes up that there was really Trump-Russia collusion going on out there. And now it's obvious. Everybody knows Schiff was making it up the transcripts of his own hearings demonstrate this that he has refused to release by the way for this very reason and it's this idea that Democrats are going to be really really mad at Adam Schiff now, it depends on which Democrats you're talking about if you're talking about Democrat voters you know the the easily deceived I mean these these these, these people that that uh, have given up any kind of critical thinking Then, yeah, maybe. But if you're talking about other Democrats on the committee or other Democrats in the House or Democrats over in the Senate, Democrats ought to be really mad at Adam Schiff for getting their hope. They were all in on it. You think Schiff is the only Democrat who knew that all of this was a made-up farce? They all knew it. The idea that that there are innocent Democrats in this is something that you have got to disabuse yourself. There is no innocent Democrat in any of this. If we're talking about elected Democrats or consultants or campaign coordinators, whatever, in Washington, D.C. By the way, Shelley Luther, uh, the governor of Texas... Greg Abbott has uh, eliminated jail time as punishment for violating stay at home orders. The Texas Supreme Court has ordered her released from prison. She was, you know, she was in jail for a week for refusing to apologize to this left wing radical activist judge. And. The governor came along, oh, that's crazy, I'm going to let her out. But he never did. He never followed through on getting her out. So Texas Supreme Court finally has ordered her release. And now the governor has issued a new order today, eliminating jail time as punishment for violating stay-at-home orders. And by the way, the judge was not relying on any kind of a law to put this woman in jail. It was simply one of his judicial fiat orders there was no law voted on by texas elected officials say you can jail people that violate stay-at-home orders so i checked the email again during the break rush i can't believe how hard you're hitting andrew cuomo what in the world we should be coming together in this time rush what are you what are you what are you doing folks do you realize what am i doing Um, We have sat by under what turned out to be, I think, a lying false premise that a shutdown would be relatively short in order to get our arms around the virus and stop the spread. You realize that there are Democrats who are still advocating for this shutdown to not end, for it to go on in perpetuity? That there are people attempting to shame. Like, if, if you want to get back to work and start providing for yourself and your family, if you want to hold on to your career, your job, your life, you're being virtue-shamed. You're being attacked as somebody doesn't care about life. You're being called a quasi-murderer. By a bunch of people who think they are morally superior to everybody. The political correctness crowd, the people that were behind... The Trump-Russia collusion scandal. The people are behind all of this phoniness designed to get rid of Donald Trump. What am I doing to Andrew Cuomo? I've had nothing to do with the shutdown other than opposing it. I've had nothing to do with it other than trying to get people back up to some common sense speed. We, we, it's, it's, we can't do both. We can't protect ourselves and guard against the spread of a virus and have our jobs and our economy functioning at the same time? Since when? It's outrageous what these people have done and are continuing to do. And I know there's all this talk about we're going to have a V-shaped recovery, meaning we had a very, you know, on the left side of the V, a plunge in economic activity, but then... When it opens back up, we're going to have the other side of the V shooting up at the same angle, meaning a quick rebound. It's not going to happen that way because people have been scared to death about leaving their homes. People have been scared to death about running around. The safest place to be in America is outside, and that's where people have been told to avoid. The safest place is outside. Running around by yourself in a park... Or on a golf course or whatever. It's one of the safest places you could be. And you can't go there. Still in many parts of the country. But as to Cuomo, let's just review here. Let's look at all the areas that he was wrong. And the, the reason this matters I mean, it's not personal. I couldn't get Andrew Cuomo, Fred Slobodnik. It doesn't matter who we're talking. We're talking about... Liberal Democrats who are praised to the heap as brilliant and compassionate, and they pose a great threat to this country and to us. They are not properly reported on. They're not properly analyzed. Their skills, their talents, when found deficient, are lied about and glossed over. and Instead, we're, we're told about what a reprobate and damaging, dangerous guy Trump is when he remains our only hope in the elected class. Andrew Cuomo was wrong. He downplayed the virus until the middle of March, six weeks after Trump's travel ban in China. Yeah, Cuomo's part of the crowd running around calling Trump a racist and a xenophobe. This is the guy who allowed the subways to run without any kind of cleaning or disinfectant. The homeless were living in them and using them as bathrooms and toilets. And Cuomo said, well, they've got to run because our essential workers need them to get to work. (laughs) And then, when Cuomo discovered that you can disinfect the subway car with ultraviolet light, this is two weeks after they tried to destroy Donald Trump for pointing out that ultraviolet light works, disinfecting the virus on various surfaces. Cuomo's a genius. Trump is a dangerous idiot. He's the guy that sent the sick to nursing homes, which sealed their fate, in many cases. He claimed he didn't have enough ventilators. You wonder why Trump talks about ventilators all the time, because Andrew Cuomo was complaining about not having enough. A bunch of Democrat governors after complaining, we don't have enough ventilators, federal government's letting us down, can't I get enough? Trump is trying to tell everybody they had every ventilator they needed, and they had a surplus. We made sure they had every ventilator they needed. They didn't need near Cuomo was saying we need 40,000 ventilators. They didn't need any more than 400. I think the number was. Now, the reason why this bothers me is because these people are are, are at, the, at the at the center. The focal point of the incompetence that has produced the current status quo, the circumstances we're all living in and they're being praised to the hilt. They're being heralded as the best and brightest among us. And the people who want to reverse this trend and get going, rebuild this country, get the economy back up and running, let people's lives have meaning again, we're the ones being accused of having no heart, no compassion, not caring about whether people die. It's the exact opposite. Good Lord. Why isn't it said... But some of these Democrat governors apparently don't care about people who live and die. Because if you look at the death numbers in their states, they're kind of high. We had the other day, blue states have the highest death rates. Your chances of dying from this virus are greater in a blue state than a red state. You're going to really catch hell for that. I haven't yet. Well, because I was quoting statistics and facts from the American Spectator. Why do these people get a pass? Why are these Democrats presiding over the vast majority of cases of death? Why are they getting a pass? Why are we being told how great and heartfelt and compassionate their actions are? And over here, Donald Trump, who's tried to give every one of these governors everything they said they've needed, and he's right. Private phone calls, they thank him for doing whatever he's doing for them. Publicly, they go out and rip him to shreds. On ventilators or N95 masks or whatever the heck it is. And he's moved a massive federal bureaucracy as rapidly as possible to try to help these governors. Because he's trying to help people. Donald Trump, I don't know this. I'm just going to use intelligence guided by experience. I think Donald Trump is devastated over what's happened here. I think he's devastated about every aspect. I think he's devastated over what has happened to the people who've gotten sick. I think he's devastated by the number of deaths. I think he's ripped apart by it. He was riding high. He had beaten back every attempt to sideline him, to destroy him. He had uh, enacted policies that caused an economic rebirth in this country, the likes of which most people alive today have never seen. That's how great and roaring the economy was. And here we are in seven weeks. Kaput. He's got to be devastated by this. Because he does care. Why would a guy want a great roaring economy anyway if he didn't care about people? What is the economy if it isn't people? The American economy is nothing more than the American existence. But if you listen to the liberal Democrats and these moral superior, they'll try to tell you that economic activity is greed, and that it's selfishness, and that it equals death, and it's destroying the planet using fossil fuels, and it's not renewable, it's not sustainable. These people are absolutely, dangerously, insanely stupid. The American economy is simply... The outright illustration of the superiority of American freedom and American enterprise. The U.S. economy is the expression of American exceptionalism. The American economy is the evidence each and every day of the great opportunity that exists for everybody in this country that wants to work hard to try to access it. The American economy is also evidence of failure. People have tried hard and haven't made it. They bounce back and they try again. The American economy is the epitome. It is the expression. It's the day-to-day evidence of American liberty and freedom as enshrined in our Constitution. It is not the focus of evil in the modern world. It is not something that exists purely for the profit of the 1%. And anybody who is interested in a roaring, expanding, great economy, by definition, has to love people. Has to want the best for people. And on the other hand, a bunch of people willing to have this economy shut down, interminably, watching people lose their livelihoods, and then their lives... And then their jobs, and then their careers, and who knows whatever else. Those are the people that don't care about people. Those are the people that don't have one bit of empathy or compassion. If they're willing to sit there and actually advocate and sponsor and promote the policies that have taken us to where we are today, vis-a-vis the economic lockdown and shutdown, you can't tell me those people love people. Those people have anything but love. They have revenge, they have vengeance, they have anger, they're looking to get even with somebody. These are people on the left, the Democrat Party, their objective is to punish the successful and to punish those who use freedom to maximize their own standing, wealth, opportunity, what have you in this country. It's the exact opposite of the way they are reported. And I've, I've about had I've I've had it with this idea that the people advocating never-ending destruction and pain for people, the economy being shut down, is destroying people, livelihoods, and lives. And they do not love people, and they do not have any kind of an exclusive. Hold on this so-called compassion. I got to take a break. I'm a little long, but hang on. We'll be back. We'll continue in just a second. Don't go away. You know, whether it sounds fair or not, if you take away just three states, just take away three states and the U.S. virus epidemic is a completely different story with one of the smallest numbers of deaths per million population of any major nation in the world. Now, I know that's just an item of illustration. We can't do it because they happened. But I'm just telling you, this idea that we have to destroy this country, which is what we are in the process of doing. New Jersey, New York, Massachusetts, as of today account for 52% of the deaths and make up about 11% of the population. We have this coronavirus. It's largely in three states that together are the top three in case numbers, deaths, and deaths per million population. Reason? Well, population density dirty subways and mass transit, apartment living, shipping a bunch of old people off to nursing homes, disastrous state policies. Let me grab a call here quickly. I want to get one. I always try in the first hour to get a call started. And this is John, upstate New York. Great to have you, sir. Testing one, two, three. John, are you there? Doesn't sound like the phone's even working. Let me try. Uh, let's see. Well, you know what? Screw it. Um, let me let me let me build on what I just said. I, I referenced these numbers a moment ago. Over half of U.S. counties. Let's 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 add on now to the fact that you take away just three states, and we've got an entirely different story here. Over half of U.S. counties have had no coronavirus deaths. All states have reported cases. The distribution of the cases and deaths has remained heavily concentrated in three states. As of May the 4th, just 10 states account for 70% of all cases. Three states account for 52%. May 4th is just three days ago. Just 10 states account for 70% of all cases and 77% of all deaths. Together, New York and New Jersey alone account for 38% of all cases and 48% of all deaths. And we're assuming the death numbers and the case numbers are accurate. We don't even know that, to be honest with you, but we'll go by this. So another way of looking at this, as of May 4th, nearly half of all coronavirus deaths have occurred in two states, New York and New Jersey. Five states, New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Illinois, California, account for 54% of all confirmed cases in the U.S., 61% of all deaths. So when can we reopen? Did you realize we still have 10 states that are shut down, and some of them are proudly proclaiming they're going to stay shut down until July? The 30 counties with the most COVID-19 cases account for 50% of all cases in the country, 57% of all deaths. Of those 30 counties, 24 are in the Northeast Corridor. Between Philadelphia and Boston it would include, obviously, New York. Which, interestingly, serves as the passageway. My commuter railway system runs right through where? Manhattan. Yeah, that's it. We're just getting warmed up. Uh, I'm going to explain what's going on with the... The Adam Schiff stuff, the Rosenstein, and the Robert Mueller stuff. Because um, it's earth-shattering. It's Even though you and I, have, we've known it for three years, the fact that it's being reported today as though some people are just now figuring it out is just mind-boggling to me. But I want to bring you up to speed and in context. And so that's coming up, and who knows whatever else. So hang on, don't go anywhere. Hi, welcome back. It's great to have you here with us. It's Rush Limbaugh, the EIB Network. Excellence in Broadcasting, a network named after the skills and the talents of the broadcast host. That would be me. It's a delight to have you here as always, Eight hundred two eight two two eight eight two. if you want to be on the program. I got a, I got a flash message of one of the staff. Well, you're really making us New Yorkers in New Jersey. It's really, you're really hurting our feelings. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. Look. I lived in New York eight years. I enjoyed it. I loved it. I but I, I paid my due when I, I I had to get out. I have no animus against New York at all. I mean, but the numbers are the numbers, and uh, the the point in reciting them is is not to shame anybody. It's to inform people. That's all that this is about. Each and every day is informing people. With the belief that people listening to this program have the ability to think and decipher and critically think, analyze, make up their own minds about things. As long as it agrees with what I'm telling them. Everything is cool. <laughs> but no, I've, uh, the, the fact that 52%, if you take New York and New Jersey and Massachusetts out of the equation, you, we've, got, we've got a non-event. But you can't take them. Out. I know you can't because they happened. They are happening. But in terms of policy, I I still sometimes I feel like a even though I know I'm not. I feel like a lone wolf in in my concern for the country and uh, and the economy. I know I've I was one of the first to publicly and openly start fretting about what we were doing. It's never made any sense to me. Beyond the first month, it has never made... And even then... And can I tell you why I think we shut down? This this makes me even angrier. We shut down over a number. 2.2 million. The bogus number of deaths that that fraudulent modeler told us about, Niall Ferguson, now shamed, in the UK. Remember that first projection, 2.2 million people will die in the United States. 500,000 people will die in the UK. Okay. So you take that number and you tell the president, you you get the crew from the CDC and the National Institutes of Health, and you get in your official CDC and National Institutes for Health vehicles with all the proper decals on the doors. And you drive up to the White House and you go very solemnly into a meeting with the prep, Mr. President, if you don't do something today, 2.2 million people, your fellow citizens, many of them, your voters, will die by the end of the month. Hold! Really? Oh, my God. Who says? Well, we have this expert modeler that we've relied on for decades. He's currently having an affair with a climate change activist, but we can look past that. His name is Niall Ferguson, and he's predicting 500,000 people will die in the U.K., and among them might be Boris Johnson. No kidding! Yeah, yeah, it's bad, Mr. President. 2.2 million? Yeah. What do we got to do? Mr. Pray, you got to shut it down. You got to shut it down. So we shut it down. Then we find out that that 2.2 million figure has never been valid because it did not accommodate or account for any action that we might take to avoid that number of people being killed. And when this clown plugged in one variable, social distancing, staying six feet apart from people, the 2.2 million number became 60,000 in America and 20,000 in the UK. But it doesn't matter because by that time, the 2.2 million number is out there. And it, to this day, is cited, to this day... It's by advocates, if we hadn't done anything, 2.2 million, maybe more. I couldn't afford that. I couldn't take the chance. Not on this watch, 2.2. Meanwhile, the people in the NIH and the CDC get back in their official vehicles with the decals on the doors, and they go back to their office, and mission accomplished. 2.2 million dead is why we should. It was a bogus, invalid number from the get-go. But it worked. It was a big enough number to scare the hell out of everybody. Now, a couple other stories about the CDC here. Here's the first one. Right here. My formerly nicotine stained fingers. Here's the headline. The Centers for Disease Control. Which, by the way, I don't think they've got a lot to hang their hat on in this episode, if you ask me. Where were they discovering the existence of this thing? Where were they taking steps to see to it that it never got to the... What the hell is their job for Christ? Why are these people still held up on pedestals as experts on whom we can rely? Is the federal government not filled with people who've been Peter-principled way above their abilities? What's The the Chi-Coms hit it, of course, and who doesn't know that the Chi-Coms lie? How in the world we're dealing with communists. You know what else the Chi-Coms were doing? How did this not get noticed? Xi Jinping, president for life, communist head honcho. He ordered Chinese embassies around the world to go out wherever they were in the world, and buy up every PPE device, equipment, mask, whatever they could find, and send them back to the motherland so that Chinese citizens who got the virus could be treated and dealt with. They went on a worldwide buying spree to buy up everything so that they, the Chinese, could hoard it. How did that, that not get noticed? Boy, Rush, you're really being hard and silly. See- Look, folks, is it is it so is it so mean to want some accountability here? It's not. Why do we keep rewarding people that don't do their job? I'll tell you what, there are business requirements for this show and shows like it that have to be met. And if they're not. It's Sayonara El Rushbo. Performance-based, easily measurable. People in government somehow seem to be able to escape this kind of accountability. Not just federal government. Every level of government, they seem to escape it. So, the Centers for Disease Control... He's supposed to know these things are happening, ferret them out, do what they can to prevent them from coming into the country. They're supposed to have a lab where every known virus in the world is kept and studied. But yeah, it's easy to say the Chi-Coms lied. The Chi-Coms withheld everything. They are communists. And by the way we are now discovering that there were cases of coronavirus diagnosed in this country in December. In various states. Anyway, anyway, that, that. here's the headline. Centers for Disease Control recommends mail-in voting due to coronavirus despite Trump's concerns about voter fraud. What the hell does the CDC have? The CDC is now urging mail-in voting? I wonder why not just say the CDC is recommending voter fraud as a way to deal with coronavirus. Why not just tell us, Mr. Redfield, what you're recommending? This is on the CDC website. If grocery stores are open, if subways are open, then we can damn well go vote. This idea—if you—it's ridiculous that you can't open a retail establishment that might have twelve customers a day, but you can open a grocery store. Well, it's essential, Mister Limbaugh, because the, uh, people need food. Well, I agree. I totally understand, but common sense. There's a little. There's a disconnect here. I'm just telling you. If we can get on Andrew Cuomo's not disinfected subways, and if we can send seasoned citizens in New York to nursing homes, and if we can go to grocery stores in a week and damn well go vote in person, we do not need have mail in voting. Here's the second CDC story. And this just happened. It happened during the top of the hour break. Well, that's when the story was published. It's an exclusive from the Associated Press. U.S. shelves detailed guide to reopening the country. By this, I mean, they shelved it. There was a a guide. There was a pamphlet. There was a list of recommendations for how to reopen the country. Who do you think put it together? The Centers for Disease Control. The Trump administration has decided to toss them. The Trump administration has decided to toss this document created by the nation's top disease investigators, with step-by-step advice to local authorities on how and when to open restaurants in other public places during the still-raging coronavirus outbreak. The 17-page report by CDC. Team of scientists, titled Guidance for Implementing the Opening Up America Again Framework was researched and written to help faith leaders, business owners, educators, and state and local officials as they begin to reopen. Because, of course, ladies and gentlemen, none of you know how to do it. You have no idea how to reopen your store. You have no idea how to reopen your business. You have no idea how to maintain a separation of six feet. You have no idea how to do diddly-squat. So some bureaucrats you didn't elect come along and give you the guidelines. It was supposed to be published last Friday, this 17-page report by the CDC. But agency scientists were told that the guidance would never see the light of day. This is a Trump administration telling these people to go pound sand, essentially. This little pamphlet of yours is never going to see the light of day. You're not in charge of reopening, Trump said. The states are. The governors are in charge of when they want to open their states, not you. The official at CDC was not authorized to talk to reporters and spoke to the AP only on the condition of anonymity. The Associated Press got a copy from a second federal official who was not authorized to release it either. The guidance was described in AP Stories last week prior to the White House decision to get rid of it. Let me tell you what these guidelines would have done. I mean, mean, I'm I'm, I'm going to guess... These guidelines from the Centers for Disease Control would have forced you to live under a permanent state of paranoia. These guidelines would be written in a way that life would never be normal again. How many people have you heard now say, oh, we can't go back to the way it was, Mr. Limbaugh. No, no, things are not going to be normal in the sense that we've known them as normal in the... Why not? Well, because we got the virus out there, Miss Limborn, you never know. It's never going to be this I understand that, but for crying out loud, what do you mean we can't go back to being... Well, the federal government's going to have to be more and more involved in making sure that people follow the... Go- oh, so you're going to have a bigger police state, What what you mean. That's what you mean when you say we can't go back to normal. Yeah, we got to take as much fun out of life we can and turn it into guilt. We got to turn kids into paranoid tattletales. Anyway, Donald Trump can sniff this stuff out. I am so glad he shelved this. I'm so glad... And because where'd that two point two million number come from? It, it, it's, it's well from the from the from the fraudulent modeller in the UK, but who were its domestic sponsors? The CDC has no business telling you or setting voting policy, and they certainly. Should not be granted such a wide berth as to be the final authority on who, what, when, how, and why the American economy reopens. All right, we're going to give it another shot. We're going to go back to the phones here. We haven't been there yet. We tried once and they weren't working. We're going to try it again. John in upstate New York. Welcome, sir, to the EIB Network. I'm glad you waited if you did. Hello. Hello.
0: Thank you, Rush. Um, my question for you
2: today is: What do you think the founding fathers and the greatest generation would think of our response to COVID nineteen? Oh, oh
1: man, I love these kinds of questions because they're uh, fascinating uh, to speculate and talk about. Because there's, you know, there's, there's <laughs> no way of really of really uh, knowing. But if, the founding fathers, I, I your, you know, your question basically can be broken down to uh, something along the lines of people alive today have no concept of hardship. If you want to compare it to the founding fathers in that era and people who lived in that era, or even the greatest generation, which is a generation of people that beat back the Japanese and the Germans in World War II and in some cases... Uh, went on to, to Korea, had to deal with the, the building Cold War, the Soviet Union threat. They had to grow up real fast. They had to learn in their mid-teenage years that life was about much more than just them. Hillary Clinton didn't have to learn that until she was in her 60s, for example. Uh, but you, you, here's the thing about the question. If you have the population which is told that there is a virus out there that can kill you if you just look at it, you can kind of understand people being afraid of it. And that's how the American people have been informed about this virus. So I don't think the initial reaction to it is all that unreal or unusual or hard to understand. We were told that there is this killer thing out there that there's no vaccine for, that nobody's ever seen this. Then you combine that with the first videos that we saw coming out of China. People wearing hazmat suits that we didn't even know existed. People being grabbed up out of their homes and tossed in the back of vans and taken who knows where to be disposed of lest they spread. The, the virus. So really, I, th- I think your question comes down to in kind of a convoluted way. And it, it actually, it's more complicated than this. But how are people supposed to deal with panic presented to them in the media? Because that's exactly what, what this was. I actually think John... It would be easy to say, well, we're a bunch of wimps compared to the founding. Well, oh, there's no question we're a bunch of wimps compared to the uh, greatest generation, the World War II generation. But I don't think it would be fair to say that in a, in a blanket statement because people in the early stages of this did not react to it unreasonably. They were lied to about a number of elements, and they, but they didn't react to that unreasonably. Somebody just sent me a tweet, uh, somebody asking, what happened to all those spring breakers in Florida that violated the stay-at-home order to go ahead and have spring break on the beaches? How many of them died? Have have anybody seen any news on that? Really? Well, I wonder why why, that—why are there no stories on how many people died— in Florida on spring break and elsewhere. Because, you know, these kids, they went down there and they violated the stay-at-home orders. They went down there and they had spring break anyway. And they were doing their usual spring break debauchery on the beaches. Everybody said, you can't do that. you got to get out of there. The governor said, yeah, you better, we better shut it down after a while. Now, I would assume that a whole lot of those kids have died, right? Well, that's they told us that. They told us that that was going to happen. That's why. What, but no, no, no. Before, Yes, but we didn't know that it was rare then. We're going back to March now, Mr. Snerdley. You remember the pictures. It, it's a great question because the answer is they haven't died. Because if they had, the media would be all over it. And Donald Trump's picture would be on every story with every death. But they haven't died. And these were people you want to talk about getting closer together than six feet. How about on top of each other for hours on end? And then you throw in the adult beverages and who knows whatever the hell else. And you know, you know the drive-by media had to be following along, waiting for the, the carnage. But they haven't reported on any carnage, which must mean that there wasn't any. Yeah, now we can say we know that, well, young people are the least likely among us to acquire it. Um, Oh, about about the previous caller. I was thinking during the break, I mean, would you compare or or what would the founding fathers say about our reaction to this virus? And what would the, the greatest generation say about it? It's a little bit of a misleading question because it depends on who you're talking about. If you talk about, let's go to New York and look at the doctors and nurses and the EMTs, virtually everybody in the healthcare, many of them worked 24-7, certainly seven days a week. Many of them worked without much pay. Many of them put themselves directly in the line of fire, surrounded by people who had this virus. I mean, there are a lot of acts of courage amongst the doctors and the nurses and the emergency personnel. Because at the time, remember what was being said. It was the most contagious disease. It was deadly. It was, I mean, it, the, the usual scare tactics were being employed and thrown around. And yet, I mean, there was, you know, idle chat about some doctors or nurses going on strike. It didn't happen. They showed up. So, in that group of people, you'd have to say that the greatest generation had been very proud of them. Probably the founding fathers as well would have been very proud as is the usual case. In the case of U.S. military, it's one percent of the population volunteering or serving in ways that ninety-nine percent would never do. And it's the same thing here. There were what what tiny percentage of Americans actually were in the healthcare field who then showed up to treat patients in New York. And I'm sure the same thing happened in New Jersey. So there would be many people who would call that activity valorous. And a lot of them were not getting paid, certainly not uh, fully paid. Medicare reimbursements were few and far between. Here's Matthew in Harrisburg, Ohio, as we stay with the phones. Great to have you, Matthew. Hello.
2: Well, good after. Good morning, Rush. Hey, it's Harrisburg, Ohio, but mega dittos and prayers from Ohio. Thank you, sir. Hey, Rush. I was looking at this $3.8 trillion spending that we did, which is now debt, And if you take that and you spread that over every person in the United States, 35
1: and younger, that is a $37,000 debt for every
0: person. So we stopped our economy. We're hanging this huge debt over our younger generation in order to save a few of our old and at-risk populations. We substituted the real economy for stimulus debt.
1: You know what this is? The way you lay that out, this is like death panels in reverse. Yeah. You remember, let's go back and look at this. In the first days of the Obama administration's Obamacare proposal, remember how everybody reacted when there were death panels? What were they? That was Sarah Palin who gave them their name. And what were the, the death panels were Obama administration officials who were going to decide who among the sick got treated and who didn't. Who would be have money spent on their recovery and treatment, and who wouldn't? And everybody concluded, well, it's obvious the elderly are going to be those that will probably be treated the least because the decision will be why invest in them. They're at the end of their lives, statistically, and the young have their lives ahead of them and their productivity ahead of them, so let's invest in them. Now, your situation, if you've laid it out, is exact opposite. We have piled debt upon debt upon debt on the Utes to save the elderly, according to the stats of who is most likely to get this disease. It's the death panels in reverse. Yes. Now, your, your larger question is, uh, I assume your larger question is, is it worth it? You're trying to sign a worth or a value to this. Is it worth 37000 in additional? Because, by the way, every American had a pre-existing amount of debt based on the national debt. So that 37000 that you've computed, that's on top of what already... Yes. So you're probably thinking that that amount of death, debt is essentially a jail cell around these people. If they owe that kind of money to the federal government, the federal government can in a variety of ways, find ways to get paid back if they want to. It's, it wouldn't be sending people a bill, but it would be in the way government policy is formulated, the way tax cuts are projected, uh, denied, or applied. So you're, 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 you're thinking that that $37,000 additional debt is going to essentially be more and more government control over those people's lives. Yes. Yeah. Why well, can't I don't think I don't think that's deniable. You know there's a lot of people that think this is a conspiracy. Have you heard that? Have you heard that you have you I tell you, I've I've heard, let's go through the things. I have heard the virus was manufactured by the ChICOMs to take us out. That the Coms did not want to engage in a military battle is because it's not worth it. The odds of winning, not good. After a war with America is over, both countries, nah, not the way to do it. If you really want to take out the United States, do it without having to fire a shot. So here we come. They've engineered a virus and they've made sure that just enough people in China got it so they could thin out their population, but really wreak havoc. And then there are variations of that conspiracy theory that are alive and well. And we've got the—there's a bunch of conspiracies involving Dr. Fauci. And there are—you know what my favorite conspiracy theory is? Huh, I don't even know if I should tell you, because if if—, if <laughs> If people hear this out of context, they're going to report that I actually said I believe this. My favorite conspiracy theory. You know what? I'm going to think about whether I should tell you. I got to. I got to take a break here. Hmm. Oh yeah, that that Dr. Mikovits or whatever that says uh, Fauci. Abuse. Uh, no, that's 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 not what I'm thinking of. That that's not that's not. That's out there. I don't need to attach my name to that. I don't need that, that that's got distribution all by itself. Will you believe it? You don't what? believe that. Who is nut? All people that watch it and, what but that doctor does't seem credible to you in that video? Dr. Mikevitz or whatever his name is <laughs> Well, you're right. I got people sending me that. you got to talk about this. Or you got to talk about it. Look at that. No, I don't have to talk about that. But there is a conspiracy theory out there that just... <laughs> oh, it's James Bond type stuff. I'll, t- I'll decide whether or not I'll tell you in a minute. You know, Mr. Snurdley, that video that you're talking about, I I got my share You know, last night. you got to watch this. The email. you got to watch this. you got to watch this. So... I wrote back some of the people that said, okay, I see that this video is 26 minutes. Could you tell me what this video says in a minute? Because I really don't want to take 26 minutes. Why why can't you just tell me what this damn thing says? So they did. In three sentences, they were able to explain what I had to watch a 26-minute video. I said, okay, so... This babe has been screwed by Fauci in a bunch of different ways, and this whole thing is a setup for a whole bunch of different. Fine. Then I was able to determine if I want to watch twenty-six minutes for details, which which I I, I probably watched. Thought I just can't sit there and watch these things, particularly if you can get. It's all about time for me. If, if you can tell me in five minutes what a 26 minute video says, I will choose the five minutes every time. But my favorite conspiracy theory, and I'm not going to tell you who it accuses. That's, that's the way to do this. My favorite conspiracy theory is that this virus is the work of a bunch of lunatic billionaires who really believe that we are destroying the planet and they have discovered that we can't get to Mars in time and we can't colonize the moon, so they have come up with a way to get rid of billions of people to make the world have a longer survivability potential. That it is a population control thing because wealthy billionaires who really thought they could colonize Mars or the moon and leave this planet to save us, now realize it isn't going to happen in their lifetimes. And so time for plan B, let's get rid of a couple billion people so the Earth will survive. Well, no, the first name you mentioned is the one I saw this one. I'm not going to mention the name because that's the the, the the other the other name you mentioned is, uh, is uh, satellite entry in the theory. Uh, now, at first, this this theory was the reason why it suckered me in for five seconds because it has just enough believability. These people are nuts; they seriously were. Hoping to be able to escape Earth to get to Mars or some other asteroid somewhere to colonize because they really, really think we're destroying the planet. That kind of insanity is out there and it's in charge of the climate change or global warming, whatever you want to call it, movement. But the, the five, the what's the what? Oh! That's Well, you know that conspiracy theory isn't true because its primary proponent is Woody Harrelson. This is the the theory that the the new 5G cell phone transmission speeds are poisoning and causing all these viruses and abnormalities and mutations. And so the people who believe this are running around and destroying 5G cell towers. Uh, all over all over Europe. Hey, here's Manny. We go back to phones. Manny is in Odessa, Florida. Great to have you on the program, sir. Hello.
3: Hi, Rush. It's great to talk to you.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I was telling uh, Mr.
3: Snerdley that uh, uh, my comment has to do with uh, <sighs> these leftists, the, uh, the media, the Democrat Party. Uh, they'll stop at nothing. They would burn down the entire United States if they thought it would get Donald Trump out of office. And anything that comes along the news, in the news, uh, they're going to utilize, as they say, they never let a crisis go to waste. So this is just uh, one of many more to come. Uh, They're just, it's under, we're under attack. Uh, And we have to realize that this was a, uh, this chemical attack, I think, was no accident. Um, This is the same as if we were attacked with- Wait, wait,
1: wait, 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 wait. hold 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 on, what chemical attack?
3: No, this attack, the virus attack.
1: Oh, the virus attack. The virus
3: is an attack, I believe. Um, this was no accident. You know, why, why a few months before an election? Um, I, think, I think it's just another assault on the Trump administration. There's just a lot of forces trying to get him out of office.
1: Well, yeah, it's, 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 it's more than that. Uh, but I agree with you. I, I think I, I made, tried to make the point yesterday... It's about two things, and they seem related, and in one vein, they are. I think these people that we're talking about, and I'm, by the way, I'm not, I'm not agreeing with the premise that the virus was created by Pelosi and Schumer or Adam Schiff or Robert Mueller to get rid of Trump. Now, don't, don't infer that here, folks. I think, however, that the people who are utilizing it in that way are beyond help. They're beyond help sick. And I really believe that they have, they have, they they epitomize what happens when the poison of hatred totally consumes you. And these, these people have lost all rational aspects of their existence, their personalities. And they have two objectives. And you read the first objective is getting rid of Trump, but I think there's a second objective that's tougher to explain because they're tied together. I think that they the fact they lost the 2016 election to anybody has sent them into a nosedive, and you add that they lost it to Trump on top of it, and it has it has rendered them clinically insane. I think they were so convinced that Hillary was going to win and what that meant for their ongoing transformation of America. Trump has done more damage to their plans. Their people devoted their lives to the next phase of what was going to happen if Hillary Clinton had won. And Trump has blown it to smithereens. They can't believe that Hillary Clinton lost. They can't. They can't come to grips with it. The fact that it was Trump is just insult to injury being added. Right away, ladies and audience just keeps expanding now to 43 million listeners the EIB network estimated according to our latest model runs. There are models and we run them. 43 million people tuning in at this moment. <laughs> <laughs> did you just say something? I just got a tech. Did you just say something about 43 million listeners? And yes. <laughs> Our latest model projections show 43 million people. Look, not all 43 million don't listen at one time. That's over a three hour stretch, the average time spent listening. Uh,. And this is the average time spent listening to this program is like two hours and 28 minutes. You, you, you don't know, folks, because you don't know uh, radio survey model. That is phenomenally average time spent listening is like two hours and 25 minutes. I mean, they're, they're, it, nobody comes close. But the latest model runs that we have, and we run them ourselves, 43. That's up from 42 and a half million last week. Well, no. Uh, the question, would the, would, the, <laughs> would, <laughs> would the number go down if people started going back to work? No, there's no flattening of the curve here in the EIB audience. It doesn't happen. We've been here for 31 years, and that has not ever happened. There hasn't been a flattening of the curve like that. See, your your question, when this program started... When it was when it was early days, nineteen eighty-eight, some of the initial objection well, Rush, who's listening? The only people listening from noon to three are people on welfare. Everybody else is working. I said, no, no, no. We're gonna revolutionize. You wait and see. And we turned radio prime time into noon to three. And so your your question is that people go back to work and stop? No, they will listen at work as they have been doing for 30 years. (sighs) Anyway, it's great to have you back here. We had a lot still to cram into this hour. And I need to get started on it Uh, rather than explaining the 40. Just don't doubt me. We have our models. We run the models. They, They come up with projections. And that's what they say. So, uh... The reason I asked about conspiracy theories in the last half hour is I have a story here for you. It's from Fox News. Let me just let me just share with the headline. Los Angeles City Council votes to name the hotels that refuse to house The homeless and the L.A. City Council has voted to maybe commandeer these hotels. Do you know what's happened out in L.A.? Let me tell you what's happened. If you haven't heard this, the hotels, of course, are shut down. You can't have a hotel up and running. It's, It's very hard to find one that's up and running. So what happened was the homeless moved into them. It was a strategy. The homeless and their advocates took over these hotels in Los Angeles and refused to move out. Then the L.A. City Council told the people that own the hotels, you can't kick them out. Well, now the people that own the hotels do not want their property to be summarily ruined and damaged. So they want the homeless to have to vacate. And the L.A. City Council voted yesterday to identify these hotels, to shame them if they refused to allow the homeless to take over their hotel and said that these hotels could be commandeered. This is the kind of stuff that makes people believe in conspiracy theories because who would ever believe something like this would happen? But it's happening right in front of your face. Democrat office holders in Los Angeles and San Francisco are essentially implementing left-wing ideological beliefs taking advantage of the coronavirus shutdown and opportunity in order to illustrate what they really think, who their hatred is for, who their constituents are. You can say that Los Angeles and San Francisco in the real world have been embarrassed for this homeless problem. I mean, look, at it. the homeless problem in Skid Row in Los Angeles has been a problem that has been building and mounting since, well, at least since the middle of last year. And it intensified as the Democrat presidential primaries got underway. Same thing in San Francisco. The San Francisco homeless problem got so bad that they had to publish maps so tourists would know where to avoid the piles of human feces because the homeless were pooping on the streets. And San Francisco couldn't keep up with the cleanup, so maps were published. And they became jokes. Los Angeles and San Francisco became the brunt of jokes because of their homeless problem and their incompetence in dealing with it. And it stems from two things, really rotten policies with Democrats administering them. So now what they're doing in L.A., they're taking this opportunity to move the homeless by force into these hotels. And if the hotels, which are private businesses, they're privately owned, if they don't acquiesce, if they don't stand aside and let the homeless commandeer the hotel and take it over, these elected Democrats are going to out them publicly. They think they can shame them. Virtue signaling. They're going to name the hotels that refuse to be taken over by the homeless. Now, this is supposed to do what? This is supposed to make the citizens of Los Angeles hate the hotel owners? So what? The people that own hotels in Los Angeles are supposed to allow their properties to be taken over by a bunch of people that are going to end up destroying the property and not pay for being there. And that's the purpose of a hotel? And if the hotel doesn't permit that to happen, then the L.A. City Council can publicly shame them? To what benefit? To what end? How does this help the people that own the hotels? How does it how does it shame them? Are the, are the people of Los Angeles so screwed up that they would do what the LA City Council wants and hate the people that own the hotels for refusing to allow a bunch of non-paying vagrants to come in and essentially wreck the places? Because you know that's what's going to happen. Take a look at any homeless in camp. Take a look at the New York subways. For crying out do you know those? some of those subway cars were actually used as toilets? This is mind-boggling stuff that the L.A. City Council would partner up with the homeless and their activists to essentially ruin the hotel industry in Los Angeles. To what end? Well, if you don't understand socialism and how it hates capitalism, and if you don't understand how capitalists and free market entrepreneurs are hated and despised, then you will not understand the actions of the L.A. City Council here. Councilman Mitch O'Farrell said it would seem to me... ...to be a complete justification that we expect something back, especially during an emergency. So the hotels apparently have some duty during an emergency to open their doors, to let people come in and literally tear them apart will not be paying for their rent. That means the hotels have to stay open and operating. The water has to keep running. The HVAC has to keep running. The people that own and operate the hotels have to keep them operating, but nobody in there is going to be paying for any of it. And the L.A. City Councilman here says, I think publicly shaming them would be a complete justification. We expect them to give back. We expect them to give back during an emergency. The Ritz-Carlton in downtown Los Angeles, which also has luxury condo residents. You you can buy condos as part of the Ritz-Carlton downtown. Was among those resisting. The Ritz-Carlton. They're going to take it over. The homeless are going to take it over. And the L.A. City Council wants to think they can shame the Ritz-Carlton. Because over the years, you see, the hotel has received millions of dollars in tax breaks from the city. So you see what happens. You people that do business with Democrats, you see what happens when you take their goodie, when you take their tax break. You see what they think you owe them. You owe them your property. You owe them the right to run it. You owe them the right to kick you out of it. And then you owe them the right to publicly shame, as in bad PR, plastering your name all over, however they're going to do it. Billboards, however they're going to shame them, they're going to do it. I, I, you, you try to explain this. Up in uh, other parts of California, try this headline. This is Politico. Barbers, beauticians, plan to sue Governor Newsom over the stay-at-home order. The professional organization representing half a million California barbers and hair salon owners announced yesterday that they're going to sue Governor Newsom in an attempt to reopen. The Professional Beauty Federation of California announced Wednesday That it has retained the Center for American Liberty, headed by a San Francisco attorney, Harmeet Dillon, to sue Governor Newsom over his statewide stay-at-home order. Governor Newsom has said that salons and barbershops will not be in his initial wave of reopening this week. Sad day, folks. Sad day, hardworking Americans in the very progressive state of the art, so far ahead of everybody else, residents in California, have to sue the governor just to be able to work. Who would have thought it? Can you imagine having to sue the governor to sue the mayor? To sue the town council president just to work? But that's what this has come to. And another story out of California here. This is from uh, PJ Media. California has begun forcibly quarantining people over COVID-19. Governor Newsom announced Tuesday that he was raising up an army of contact tracers, as many as 20,000 people, to track down everybody with COVID-19 and to quarantine them. Newsom announced that the army, it's his word, will start with a deployment of 3,000 and grow to the 20,000 mark to chase down the who, what, where, and with whom COVID-positive people have had connections. Contact armies. Contact tracers. South Carolina plans to hire hundreds more contact tracers to bolster coronavirus. A virus response. Minnesota, 4,000 more workers. The Ventura County Health Director, California, Robert Levin, said, quote, We will find everyone with COVID-19, and we'll isolate every one of them. And we'll make sure they stay quarantined, and we'll check in with them every day. Ventura County has had 19 deaths. 846,000 people live in Ventura County, 19 deaths, and this guy is announcing that they're going to search and they're going to find everybody with COVID-19 and they're going to quarantine them and they're going to stay quarantined until who knows when. Can you imagine the outrage if anybody had suggested doing this during the AIDS outbreak? Can you imagine what would have happened if some L.A. city councilman or some local county mayor had come? We're going to track down every person with AIDS, and we're going to quarantine them. And we're going to keep, track, keep in touch with them every day, and we're not going to let them. Can you imagine the hell that would have descended over any public official? Who would have tried that? Ho, oh, man, I don't even want to think about it. i got to take a brief break. We have much more. Don't go away. The Biden campaign. There's news there. Hey, uh, ladies and gentlemen, online shopping is as popular as it's ever been. That may sound like a duh kind of statement, but it happens to be true. And with that convenience comes the risk. That your credit card and your bank account information may be used without your permission. In other words, somebody might get hold of it and use it. while well, you don't know about it. That happens when data breaches occur. Now, if your online information gets in the hands of a cyber thief, they can do one of two things. They go on a cyber spree themselves without you knowing about it for days, if not weeks. Or they can sell it to somebody who will start defrauding you later on down the road. It all starts with your online identity being stolen. And most of the time, you don't know when that happens. That's the thing about it. You don't know, so you certainly don't learn about it in enough time to stop it. But if you're a LifeLock member, that that changes. Because having LifeLock's identity theft protection is the best way to know when this illegal activity has begun. And then you have the best opportunity to stop it and to limit the damage. LifeLock's system is monitoring hundreds of millions of online transactions every day, looking for variations in the online spending profiles and behavior of all their members, looking for evidence that somebody else is using the identity of a LifeLock member without permission. And when you are a LifeLock member, you get their immediate alerts of what they think could be foul play. That's how you find out way in advance that something could be going wrong. Now, no one company can prevent all identity theft, but LifeLock systems and communication with you second to none. Nobody comes close to LifeLock. So protect yourself and save yourself hours and hours of hassle and angst by becoming a member. It's easy. LifeLock.com. The promo code is Rush. And doing that will save you 25% off the normal, regular, everyday schlub price. 25% off mentioning my name at LifeLock.com. Okay, Joshua, you're next in Dallas. It's great to have you, sir. Hello.
2: Hello. how are you?
1: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you.
2: Um I've been wanting to talk about this uh judge that's presiding over the Shelley Luther case here in Dallas, Judge Moyé. Moyé. Uh yeah, he's um a couple years ago back in 2016, uh he uh, pulled a pistol out at a lady on uh, one of the freeways here in Dallas and uh nothing ever became of it. It kind of just got swept under the rug.
1: Why did he pull a pistol out on a lady oh. on a freeway in Dallas?
2: Well, um, he was presiding over another high-profile case, kind of like what's happening now. And uh, he was scared initially, and one of the sheriffs here told him, oh, you should carry a firearm with you in case something happens. But, you know, if you pull a weapon out on somebody here in Texas, uh, you do get uh, put in jail, and they do find out why you threatened somebody with a firearm.
1: Really? You pull yeah. a firearm out in Texas and they put you in jail?
2: Yes, it happened to me personally.
1: <laughs> I thought you got a medal in Texas.
2: No, no, no. Well, probably in other parts of Texas, but uh here in Dallas, you know, it's ran by a bunch well, of people. Well, that's you know, true. Locals.
1: That's that's <laughs> absolutely right. You know that you got you have a point there. So this uh, yeah, did this that's... did this judge by any chance have a carry permit or not?
2: Um in Texas you're not required to have one from your house to your car it's called castle law. Oh yeah
1: so yeah yeah that's what i one. meant that's that okay i knew that that's what i meant.
2: But still brandishing it in a threatening manner still would involve police and paperwork and so forth but uh nothing ever became of it because uh, obviously he's a democrat judge. Of and, course
1: obviously. So. Yeah, you know what? He could probably pull out that pistol in court and threaten the salon owner, and nothing would happen to him. We'll be back. Don't go away. Welcome back, folks. You know, remember, if you were here for the uh, opening of the program, and according to the latest time spent listening statistics, you were. You heard me mention that it's an incredible day because things we have known for three years are appearing today as breaking news such as the FBI knew there was no collusion with Russia. We've got documents, they knew it. We've got breaking news that Robert Mueller, when he took the job, knew there was no Russia collusion, and yet he did two years looking for it. And then there's a breaking story that Adam Schiff is really sweating bullets because the transcripts of some of the investigations he was running in that basement hearing room of his indicate that he knew that there was no Trump-Russia collusion whatsoever. Now, we've known this for three years. We've known this when it first hit. We've known that this was bogus. We've known that it was a coup. We've known that it didn't happen from within the first week of learning of this. Okay. So I have here for you an audio soundbite this afternoon on the Fox News Channel. Dana Perino has a show called The Daily Briefing. You know why she calls her show The Daily Briefing? Well, yeah, that's right. She was a press secretary at George W. Bush. A lot of people say W. I say George W. Because I like to properly pronounce things. So she was a press secretary. It was a big thing. It's one the highlight of her resume things. So she calls her TV show The Daily Briefing. In case any of you wondered why, now you know. And she had on as her guest today, The Turtle the Republican Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. And so here is her question. I want to talk to you about the Michael Flynn case and the documents that have come out and also apparently some transcripts coming out from the House, which basically say that Adam Schiff knew there was no collusion between Trump and Russia. First of all, there was a development in the Flynn case where a lead prosecutor is withdrawing from the kid. <laughs> a lead, because he knows it's over. Flynn is, they've been caught red-handed here. And she says there's no real details as to why the lead prosecutor, yes, there are. There's all kinds of details why the lead prosecutor is leaving Dana, because he's been discovered as a fraud. The whole case against Flynn was manufactured. Do you know why they did it? Flynn was going to be Trump's national security advisor. He would have known everything going on in the intelligence community. They had to get rid of Flynn in order to keep the investigation that they were conducting secret from Trump. Flynn had to go. They had to manufacture something that they could convict him of. It is an outrage what they did. The lead prosecutor has been exposed, Dana. That's why he's fleeing. But nevertheless, she says to the turtle, there's no details as to why the lead prosecutor's withdrawing. (sighs) And then she says, I wonder about how all of this fits into your thinking, Mr. McConnell, about how you spend the first month of 2020 presiding over an impeachment trial in the Senate. All
2: these developments that we're now reading about uh, certainly make it look like this whole uh, Russia issue was uh, conspired uh, with by certain people at the FBI. Really? This is a big story, a big unfolding story. Really? And I can't wait to find out what really happened. You're and kidding. I think we will. These stories always come out sooner or later.
1: The turtle is just now figuring out what happened. So he can he he presided over the Senate during the trial thinking there could have been something to all of that. This can't be that uninformed, right, Mr. Sturley? So what is this really? Let me review what the turtle said here. All these developments that we're now reading about, why, it make it look like this whole Russia issue was conspired with by the FBI. No excrement, Sherlock. What is this? This is what makes me believe in conspiracies. And then he says, this is a big story, big story, big unfolding story. And I can't wait to find out what really happened. <laughs> we already know. This is the thing. Hey, I think we will find out what really happened, the turtle said. I, I think we will find out. You know, these stories always come out sooner or later. <laughs> <clears throat> He is a turtle. We'll get to the finish line on this. Okay. well, given all that, here we go. Um, What what this is largely about, it is a a number of things. There's two things. Rod Rosenstein was the attorney general, deputy attorney, because 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 they had maneuvered sessions into recusing himself on purpose and unnecessarily. So Rosenstein is the guy who named Mueller as the independent counsel, the special prosecutor, whatever. Now, at the time, uh, Rosenstein's supposed to issue a, a scope memo, which he didn't do. He's supposed to issue a memo that spells out for Mueller what he can and can't investigate, what he should and shouldn't investigate. And then if Mueller comes across something outside the scope, During the investigation, he has to go back and get permission to look into what he's discovered. Now, this whole thing was bogus. There was never anything to discover. The whole thing was a fraud. It was all based on the Steele dossier, which has yet to be verified. It was made up out of whole cloth. There was not ever a single reason for any of this. There was no criminal activity There was no evidence of criminal activity. There was no legitimate suspicion that anybody had behaved criminally in the Trump administration vis-a-vis Russia. This whole thing was manufactured as an attempt to get rid of Trump, pure and simple, and to reverse the election results of 2016. So Rosenstein had to go back and rewrite the scope memo, and he ended up writing two of them. The Scope memo was the official guidance given by Rosenstein to Mueller to run the witch hunt. At first, Rosenstein charged Miller with investigating any links or coordination between the Russian government and people associated with the campaign of Trump or any matters that arose or may arise directly from the investigation. And third, any other matters within the Scope of obstruction of justice laws. And that was written in May of 2017. But there was another Scope memo that Rosenstein wrote after the fact, ex post facto, in August of 2017, which expanded Mueller's Scope and was very highly redacted when it was released to the public. What has been released now is the unredacted version of the August 17, 2017, Scope Memo. And this memo authorizes Mueller to investigate Carter Page, Paul Manafort, George Papadopoulos, and Flynn. After the fact! Six months after the investigation, they had there was nothing they had to formulate. What are we going to do? So they had to name these people that go out and looking at They're in the Justice Department dropping the Flynn case. We knew this was going to happen. They're dropping it because there was never anything to it. And Michael Flynn, he, he ought to be able to sue these people for everything they took from him with quadruple damages. They coerced him into a guilty plea by threatening to ruin his son after they had ruined him. They set him up like they have never set up a government official before, an innocent one. Let me briefly tell you how they did that. They had to get rid of Flynn, as I say. The FBI, Comey, and Struck Stroke Smirk, and Page, and McCabe, they had to get rid of Flynn after Trump names him National Security Advisor because he would be privy to what they were doing. As the national security advisor, he would be aware of everything going on in intelligence. So he would have been aware of the hoax. He would have been aware of the coup. He would have been aware of the meetings in the Obama Oval Office with Comey and uh, Brennan and Clapper and how they set Trump up at his Trump Tower office on January 6th. Flynn would have known all of that they couldn't have that. They couldn't continue the bogus investigation of Trump. which they, And they lied to Trump, that telling him he was not a target. He was the only target. And they were looking for anything they could make up. There was never any evidence. So they concocted an interview with Flynn. Now, normally, when the FBI is going to interview somebody, they have to go through the White House counsel, get permission to talk to him. Flynn's party administration, National Security Advisor. Then they get a formal time set up. Flynn is told that he can bring a lawyer. He is told that uh, anything he says could be subject to being used. That's They abandoned all. They didn't do any of that. Comey has admitted that he took advantage of an inexperienced bunch of people in the Trump administration to just send a couple agents over to the West Wing one day to have a conversation in the hallway with Flynn. So Flynn is the newly named National Security Advisor. He's walking around the West Wing and here comes McCabe and Struck, And they show up in the West Wing and they run into, hey, Michael, how you doing? And he thinks that they're extending him a greeting as the newly arrived NSA, the new administration, the FBI, come to shake hands, say hi, how you doing? He had no idea that they were running an investigation. He had no idea that they were actually conducting an official interview with him. That if he lied, they could send him to jail. He had no idea any of this was going on. It was such a setup. And then, after that, they started leaking to the media that Flynn had indeed been discussing the end of sanctions with the Russian ambassador Kislyak, who ate lunch all the time. That's all the guy ever did was eat lunch and meet with Trump administration officials. Then they go and tell Pence. They say Flynn's lying through his teeth. He says he's out there not talking to Kislyak about lifting sanctions when you guys are officially inaugurated. Pence says we can't have. That. They fire the guy. I mean, it was a setup like you can't believe. And and Flynn was totally taken advantage of. He knew that Obama hated him, but he had no idea that Obama's long reach having to do with this. He thinks they're coming over as a meeting of equals. The FBI coming to say hi to the NSA. have no idea that they're running a gigantic trick and scam on him. It is it is This, this whole sordid thing, folks, there are people need to be in jail. There are people that need to be brought up on charges. There are people that need to be fined and pay a price for this. This is simply outrageous. And what they've done to Donald Trump and his family and what they've attempted to do it needs to be exposed. Every American needs to have this explained to them in the simplest way possible, which is possible, so that everybody understands what what has happened. I've got to go. I'm long in this segment. We will be back. Don't go away. Kind of funny watching CNN on the Flynn story. They can't believe it. A reporter came, he pleaded guilty. He pleaded guilty. He said he did it. Why Why are they dropping the He pleaded guilty. We must always remember that Flynn pleaded guilty. He did it. What a bunch of. Uh, <sighs> he pleaded guilty after Robert J. Mueller III promised to bankrupt him, to bankrupt his son. To take everything away from him, including his home. And to not stop until he had made sure that Flynn could never recover from it. He pled guilty to stop the carnage. He pled guilty to protect his son. He pled guilty. Why are they pulling out the case? I'll tell you, folks. it is. Some days it's beyond frustrating. The truth is right there. It's easily understood. It's staring you in the face. And there are people too blind with partisanship and hatred to see it. Hey, uh, Bolden Branch. Bolden Branch makes some of the finest sheets and bedding available. A good sized number of you in this audience know that. You've discovered the comfort you have discovered the luxury that comes with every bowl & Branch product. Now, if you haven't done so yet, you're missing out on sleeping on a set of sheets that start out soft and only get softer over the course of time. Bowl & Branch uses a pure organic cotton. It's proprietary. It's exclusive to them. It's what makes all of their products as soft as they are, noticeably so. Products like these would uh, cost you a thousand bucks in a high-end retail store. You find these kind of sheets on the beds in four-star, five-star hotel suites and rooms, but Bolin Branch pulls this off for about two hundred dollars a set. My oh, God, Rush, how they do that? Well, because they they've found a way to do it. That's the business model. They offer you thirty night. Guarantee, by the way, you buy the sheets, and if they don't meet your expectations, they're not as soft as I've led you to believe. You can send them back. Try them for a full month. Send them back if you want. Most people don't. I mean, the return rate's less than 1%, but it's an option that you have. Boland Branch, B-O-L-L, and branch.com. Use my name. You'll get 50 bucks off your first set of sheets. Free shipping, by the way. Along with that 30-day money back guarantee. Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L and Branch.com. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a big deal. I cannot I, I cannot describe what a monumental big deal it is for the Department of Justice to drop a case it never. I mean, it's It so rarely happens, in, in, and they got a guilty plea, and they still dropped it. You have no idea even now how big this is. Be back here tomorrow. See you.